Hey, hey, Podnutians. Welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 233. My name is Door to Door Geek. This is a Linux show all about the ecosystem of Linux. We're not going to go over um, package details. We're not going to go over distribution releases. We're not going to go over who is Linus telling off this week. There's enough shows handling that. We are going to cover basically everything else that consumers and users could or should care about, whether it be freedom-based topics, open-based topics, workflow type of topics, desktop things, all kinds of random stuff. Uh, but I want to first say thank you uh, to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to them. We do not have to break every 15 minutes and inject ads that we really don't honestly believe in or to honestly even use like every other Linux podcast out there. Uh, I want to say thank you to Cross Haven Computers. Uh, you started being a Patreon supporter back in May 2017. Uh, thank you very much for all your support. Um, because of people like you, I'm able to have a lot less stress when I sit down here in a studio and start to stream, especially when I have the opportunity to sit down and chat with Bruce. How's everything going, Bruce? Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to partially dedicate this show, oddly enough, to my dog who unexpectedly passed away two days ago. Bruce, that is bad news indeed. Yeah, although not as bad as the unfortunate news today where uh, Anthony uh, Ruiz lost to uh, Joshua um, over in, um, I guess they fought in Saudi Arabia tonight. But let's face it, Joshua was the better fighter of the two. I did hear that. Um, Honestly, I'm not too well versed on either of them, but I will say, you know, that's that's why they play the game. That's why they fight the matches, because... You never really know what's going to happen until they sit down and do it. And actually, my wife gave me the green light to go to uh, the boxing hall. Let's start again. The International uh, Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota, New York. I'd been many years ago, but I missed during induction week. Induction week is a who's who of uh, of boxers. Everybody shows up into this middle of the nowhere city it's not even a city it's like a village in new york uh it's probably about hours from cooperstown but you know what it is totally worth your time yeah i was i I was gonna say it definitely sounds like a good time just because you'll see people that you really thought you would never see but to be honest in my humble opinion those kinds of small towns typically have the best food and they have the best little eateries kind of thing oh you're not wrong there in fact uh uh, within walking distance of the hall is uh, an Italian uh, restaurant, which, of course, was started by a former boxer. I forget who it is, but uh, all the food over there is magnificent. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I will say, and I'm going to like quick hard stop this show just to say, to remind people, um, I try to do this every year. Uh, we're now into December. We're into the quote unquote holiday season. Um, I already know of more than a couple people that I care about who have had, including now Bruce, you who have had friends, family, and loved ones pass away. This is the time of year where it seems like people pass away and pass on. Um, I beg everybody do what you have to do to at least once every couple of days, stop what you're doing, communicate with somebody you have not communicated with for a while and let them know that you care about them and that you're here for them because you really never know what the hell is going to happen in the next couple of days. Um, 
Uh, this is the quote unquote death time of year. And if you have any mental issues where you have depression or anything, I really highly encourage everyone. This is the time of year. Make the change. Look for help. Talk to people. Ask for assistance. You do not have to go alone. Nobody has to go alone. And I don't care. You can call me up. 443-640-8960. And I will do everything I can to help anybody out there. Um, including and Bruce and everybody else who is affiliated with this network. Um, I hate to say, but this is the time of year where I really do start to stress and worry about everybody around me because like, you know, Bruce's dog, I didn't know about that before we started to talk. Um, so I really do, you know, feel for your Bruce and if you ever need to chat, you know, you can just call me. Oh no, that's okay. In fact, it, it's technically my wife's dogs. So, I mean, not close, closely attached to this one as my other one, just the same. Uh, uh, you are entirely correct, though, about this time of year and folks who do suffer from it because uh, many years ago, uh, I think it actually came into really sharp focus for me because, you know, the thing is, is that I'm pretty much old school. I grew up in New Hampshire. You know, you grew up to be a man's man. Nobody, you don't show your emotions. That's sissy stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are people out there that are legit troubled by things and they have a hard time figuring it out. And, and you know, as soon as uh, you see signs of that and somebody going off the rails, uh, I think the thing is, is that I'm talking, get them to, uh, you know, you don't have all of their problems. You really just need to listen. That's the hardest part. And if you can do that part, I think it just carries so much more weight for them. And I think that, you know, just being there is important. And Doors right. Anybody who who is really down in this time of year, reach out. Reach out and talk to people because, you know, it is much better than the other alternative. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm the person I'm going to quote. I'm very sad that I have to quote him. Uh, but I'm going to quote Robin Williams and says, never pick a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I'll just leave it at that kind of thing. You know, it's funny because again, we all have our struggles. We've all, we've all been, you know, we've all had our dark moments and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're correct. They are temporary. And you know the things that go on you will find an answer for a point in your life you know and it was funny because my brother and i you talk about these things all the time and in the end he goes you know anything never worry about that that always sorts itself out and he's correct uh the other thing you know just keep uh an open ear and just talk it out absolutely um i'll say because of my speech impediment when i was younger i didn't really talk a lot uh, thus people would talk to me quite openly. Um, and I was shocked at where some people went, but I, I, I truly believe listening is one of the most underrated talents in human culture today. Speaking of listening though, we definitely have more than a couple emails, uh, in the queue. Uh, which one do you want to go for first? Actually, since I have it open in front of me, I'm going to start off with Nicholas. By the way, awesome segment because that's exactly how I was going to segue in. So we are totally on the same page. All right. So uh, Nick writes to us, I have recently started listening to your podcast, and I think I'm now hooked and, and will be a frequent listener. That's pretty awesome. 
Uh, I've recently from Windows after using it mainly for my work as a systems technician. I've always been a multi-platform user, for example, jumping between Mac OS, Debian, and Raspberry Pi. I need to be well-versed to keep up with my work and industry. I did try to give earlier versions of Debian uh, back in 2009, 2011 a try, but I always found stability problems and managed to keep crashing a system due to the manual steps and troubleshooting of installing specialized applications. However, this time around, I'm about two months in and found the distro I'm using very simple, and the ease of installing applications is now a task that's simpler. Software from major companies is also now readily available on Linux. I find also, like Spotify, I'm using Pop! OS. You mentioned in one of your podcasts that you are that you use something to keep track of all, all your podcasts you listen to. Can you recommend something which is useful to allow me to subscribe and listen to the podcast I do on my Debian distro? Great work with the podcast, which is filled with useful information. And that's from Nick O'Sullivan. Very cool. Thank you very much, Nick. And I will say this. There is, well, we have to start with honesty and upfront nature. Like, for instance, the Princess Bride taught me this. Hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. It's perfect networking because he introduces himself, he states facts, he states goals, and then he manages expectations. So let's do the same thing with Linux. There is no perfect Linux distribution, and it depends on what you like, what you crave, what you desire, what you need, what you believe to be perfect for you. So if anybody comes to me and says, what Linux should I run? Me being a proper Linux weenie, I should then follow up with like 20 questions to them so I can really find out what do you desire in your distribution of Linux. If you say stability is your goal, it is incredibly difficult to beat the stability with Debian, in my personal opinion. Oh, I completely agree. In fact, I'm currently using Debian on this lap that we're uh, recording the show with. And let's see. Actually, this is now, actually, it's a full year with this laptop. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised. The reason why I installed it initially was uh, uh, I was originally going to put Kali on it, but um, hard to walk around with the machine with all those tools that you barely use at all. And um, I just went with the Debian route. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, it's a solid, solid distro. Uh, and it's interesting because it comes at the point now where I'm actually starting to ask the harder questions because on my main home desktop, uh, CentOS is the ruling distro right now. And I've justified using it by simply saying at some point I may be interested in becoming uh, an administrator. Uh, but, you know, I don't necessarily need that OS for everyday use when I can just simply fire it up in a VM. So with that being said, uh, the questions, I'll post it. But at some point, I'll also mention that I have a blog down the road. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And um, the other thing I'll say is he, he is also incredibly correct with Linux being more popular with Linux being more accepted with Linux being used more in more places, including Android phones, Chrome OS laptops. It's all Linux with Linux being used in more and more and more and more and more places. More companies are doing more things for Linux. The example is literally this would have been unheard of just a couple of years ago, but Disney plus 
the paid subscription Netflix-like service just launched maybe three weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. You can already run it on a Ubuntu desktop with no extra finagling is the only word I can think of. Um, so yes, all vendors are starting to make things much more ubiquitous. And I don't think that they're making it easier to run on Linux. I think they're just making everything easier to run inside of a browser. Thus, Linux is a beneficiary from things like Spotify and now Disney+. Plus. And I'll actually agree with that. One of the great things that helps a lot of folks these days, too, is that, um, you know, at least at the enterprise level, more and more applications are web-based. So that's a helpful uh, uh, item there. But in regards to streaming services, you know, it's funny. I'm still, I'm still coming off some hit or misses. For example, the NHL has had it perfect for years. Um, I can subscribe to them and watch any game I want without having to do anything additional. Criteria Channel, hmm, not so much. In fact, uh, I was really, really frustrated because um, they uh, became their own streaming service last year. And I love independent films, and they are the largest independent film distributors in the country. And I just love the films that they have, but the streaming service is just rotten. So anyway, I had to drop them. But anyway... Uh, not to digress, you. I'll let you continue with the next letter. Okay, well, I want to also address one thing more in his email. It's the very bottom. He says, he mentioned in one of my podcasts that you're using something to keep track of all your podcasts that you listen to. Can you recommend something which is useful for me to allow to subscribe and listen to podcasts to do on my own Debian distribution? Okay, okay. I have not done podcast listening subscribing or anything on a desktop in what seems like 10 years i honestly can't tell you how long it's been i do everything now on my android device my android listening um and to be honest um i do semi-frequently back up the entire uh database in air quotes of what I've listened to, how much I've listened to, when I listened to, what episodes I listened to, what feeds I subscribe to, and everything. But I also, once in a while, do what's called an OPML backup. An OPML backup is just a backup of the RSS URLs that each show uses. Here's the example. Yesterday, I, I literally listened to over 24 hours worth of podcast. This week, it's been seven days. I've listened to six days worth of podcast. Uh, in, um, November, I listened to 25 days and two hours worth of podcasts and I do it all on my Android device. I do it all on podcast addict. I can back all that stuff up and I can give it to you. Any other podcast tool you use, you can import an OPML file and see everything I'm listening to. But here's the thing tangent. I am, I've thought about this off and on for years, but why is it? that I can't just tell people to go to podnuts.com slash door to door geek slash podcast feed. And there you would be presented with essentially one RSS file, which basically includes everything that I'm listening to. Like right now, there's no reason why it couldn't be plausibly possible is what I'll say. So another side tangent is, um, I want to do more coding that's not related to work-related things. So there's no reason why I can't start to look at taking all of my OPML files, all my RSS files, put them into 
a separate little application running scripts and updating things on the public facing websites of like what I'm listening to right now kind of thing. Um, I will say because of the, the, uh, ubiquitous nature of Git and how it is everywhere and accessible by everything. I'm literally tempted to start to do some kind of little open source project where other people can help me and we can start to work on this little coding thing where we can take this OPML file and basically publish publicly everything that I'm listening to, quote unquote, like right now. And as far as uh, podcasts for me, one of the things that I've long been using and uh, uh, for a lack of actually searching for anything else only because I have found it useful is that uh, G-Potter. G-Potter basically is my uh, podcast fee, uh, catcher. And I just you know stock it up every once in a while, mainly security podcasts, things like that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I might actually start branching out that that uh, I'm reading, and so that's that's actually uh, something. Oh, this month's selection happens to be uh, American Psycho by uh, Brett Ellis Easton. So Ellis Easton, or Easton Ellis, however you want to go with it. Gotcha, gotcha. I will say G Potter it has some significant updates to do. Uh, a lot has changed in the last, like, nine months, and from what I'm hearing from podcast listeners, uh, there's more than a couple things that now are broke inside of G Potter. G Potter is great for a couple reasons. It's open. It synchronizes across platforms. There are applications, even on your Android device, you can use where you can connect to G Potter and basically sync all of your podcasts listening across devices. Um, but I'll say they need to become a little bit more engaged and a little bit more on the current cusp of the changes to the RSS platform, um, or else I think they're going to suffer a lot here in 2020. Oh, actually, can we go a little bit further into this? Uh, I'm curious because, um, well, I've not had a problem with it. So that's why I'm kind of curious. What are some of the items that folks seem to mention on this? Well, it depends what feeds you're listening to, but the feeds that are adhering to the most recent changes to things like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and all these other services, um, they're basically adding more custom tags inside of the RSS enclosure, and um, they haven't done a great job in keeping up on those new tags. So sometimes when people open up their... Um, feeds on gpotter they're just not seeing updates they're not getting timely updates uh or they literally have to like unsubscribe and resubscribe to see new episodes of, of new shows the here's the plus there's literally so many podcasts that are every day you know being published and every day that are dying off uh the likelihood of people right now still experiencing like these kinds of feeds in gpotter it's probably less than 30% but with every week, it becomes a little bit higher of a percentage by, I'm going to say, mid-2020, if G-Potter doesn't like do a significant rewrite of some of their code, uh, they're going to have big problems with keeping things up to date. Oh, I got you. You know, it's funny you mention that because one of the things that I've seen happen in say, the last... Uh... Last year with the DistroWatchCast alone, we've actually updated our XML uh, feed 
five times. So, uh, yeah, that's something that's going to happen. And much to the chagrin of uh, Dan Washko, one of the things I've ne- I haven't very done very well is um, metadata that actually happens in these podcasts. Um, I had it going on for a while where I kept a, a, a running um, a form. But um, last year when I fired it back up, um, it needed to be overhauled. I never did it. So if you download the Distro Watch podcast and see no information whatsoever, yeah, that's my fault. However, that being said, uh, I think uh, next week's show may be the last one for the year. So that's going to give me about two weeks to uh, come up and build a, a proper one going forward. So the podcast will have metadata, which it, it, lo- it desperately, desperately needs. Well, it's the kind of thing that just helps everything else around it. Um, and I've been saying now for two weeks, I'm going to like share my OPML file. I'll just say I need to export it. I need to just, you know, put it out there. So that will happen. Um, the next email is from Paul. And I will say Paul is one of the guys who's been with Linux for the rest of us, I believe, since like episode five or maybe six. Uh, he helped with the notes and he helped with a lot of the back end stuff for it. Years and years and years is what I'm going to say. My inconsistency, I truly believe, drove him away. So, and I've told him privately and publicly before, I'm sorry for my inconsistency, but he still remains a friend and emails me. Uh, this is what I just got from him most recently. Uh, it says, hello, Stephen. I'm, I am just curious. My daughter is training to become a registered nurse. She said that they are now going to be using Mattermost for some of their communication sessions. She asked me, her tech guy, if it is safe to use and who can see the conversations and can they download conversations. And the next thing I know, you're speaking about your Mattermost server. So if it's not too much to ask, would I be allowed to join one of your groups and see with my own eyes what this Mattermost is all about? Please, you can kick me out after a week if you like. Uh, Thank you. So I did send him an invite and I do believe email on the Mattermost server is broke is what I'm going to say, which isn't the end of the world because in Mattermost, I still can go in and say, generate a team invite and then send him that uh, hard coded link straight via email. Um, It's difficult to describe Mattermost to somebody completely uninitiated. What I'll say is it's like a, IRC application where you can instantly connect to multiple servers, multiple channels, multiple rooms, multiple private DMs, but in a very beautiful interface where IRC is literally just straight text. Um, It's also private. Doctors can use this because this is self-hosted encrypted sessions where I'm, I'm led to believe I have this being hosted right now on a digital ocean droplet digital ocean cannot see any of the conversations that are going on it's all encrypted only the people with the access to the front end can actually see the information um and it's just a simple chat application uh where you can do things like emojis you can insert gifs you can do text you can do hyperlinks you can see previews of things um or you can do private one-on-one DMs, or you can have private groups, conversations in there. But you can literally have multiple channels. So hypothetically, I could have a family server. 
I could have a Podnuts server and I could have a work server where I can invite separate people to all three of those servers and those people would never know those other servers even exist. I would be the only one that would know that because I am the admin of it. Um, it is a incredibly robust interface that I'm really shocked more institutions do not use. And I'm genuinely shocked the number of people that give up all privacy to companies like Slack. Um, but apparently they're doing something right because they keep making money. Well, I can both of these kind of things. First of all, if, if it is true that Mattermost actually has encrypted discussions and doctors are allowed to discuss HIPAA-like data, that's huge. That's really uh, impressive because, to your point, we use Slack in my company, and we actually just had an add-on put on a couple of uh, weeks ago to monitor anytime personal or private or what is pri deemed private data uh, is mentioned in the chat, and it gets flagged. And interestingly enough, you write about Slack it, there are people that monitor it, and should they decide to listen in on a conversation, they absolutely can, and you have no way of knowing that. Uh, that's always long been a concern, but uh, again, I'm not going to digress and make it longer. But if that's true with Mattermost, then yes, that is the platform to run with because that would take care of you know, not all of your your security concerns, but anything relating to HIPAA, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like the same um, Slack and Microsoft Teams. I can't believe anybody would use only because there is no privacy in it. Uh, anything you say, every administrator from here to India have has access to there's nothing you can do about it as an end user except try to use like code words to get around certain things where mattermost is like next cloud it's self-hosted and it's like you know i'll just say this more privacy friendly i believe i'll say this i believe everything i read said that everything in mattermost is encrypted using aes blah 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 and unless you log in and unless you're you know given direct access to it you can't see any of the data now i could be wrong but i, I but i thought that's what i read uh, and to follow up on teams i absolutely love teams love teams because not only is it an intrusive piece of crap, but I love the fact that my 16-gig machine starts to grind and slow down to a halt when Teams starts firing up. And the best part about it, if you work on an enterprise level like I do and you've got roughly an audience of 50,000, I love the fact that anybody can interrupt your day. Yeah, and with Teams... Um, I'm sure you've also noticed where it seems like for no reason, everything just locks and freezes up. Um, what, what's happening is you're either copying and pasting things into teams or there's something happening in teams where they're trying to do a self diagnosis check to see if what you're sending is malicious or deemed inappropriate. Um, so teams has a lot of issues when you have a lot of users on the system. Uh, and I love because I know now how to basically break it and I know how I, I can hit control V and I can literally lock up teams for over 5,000 people for over like 90 seconds straight. So whenever I just need peace and quiet, I now know how I can just get peace and quiet for at least 90 seconds. Control V, eh? Noted. Well, 
it depends what you paste in. And I'll just say this. If you paste in information that appears like PII, uh, uh, you know, private data, or it's a image format that's not extremely common like JPEG, it doesn't know what to do with it. So it literally seizes up the entire backend server for a, a really long length of time. Now, here's the really dirty secret about Teams. Do you know that Microsoft Teams isn't Microsoft Teams? Oh, go on. It's actually SharePoint. It's just a facade on the on a front of a SharePoint te- uh, team site. Uh, that makes sense. And uh, all right, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I actually dragged this to a place we didn't need to be. Let us circle back with Mattermost and get back to the things that really matter. <laughs> okay. Well, and I will say this: I still have the Mattermost server. If you want access to it to play with it just check it out, whatever. Don't hesitate. Shoot me an email. Uh, I'll say it once again. It is a nice, quiet place where you do not have to worry about being overwhelmed with, you know, um, um, stuff coming at you. At the same token, it is what I will consider to be, and I'm very sorry to use this word, it's a safe space where you can come onto a server and communicate one-on-one with podnutsians about things that other people might not deem politically correct. So you don't have to worry about being judged, uh, you know, and about that kind of thing if, if you come onto this Mattermost server. But at the same token, don't expect, you know, hundreds of people there to give you uh, feedback. Now, I'll just leave you with a quick anecdotal story, and then we can move on to the next. So anyway, I, I work with this woman who's in, in her late, late 60s, who still works with us. And so anyway, she came in and she was excited the other day. It's like, hey, hey, I got I got my new machine. I was like, oh, great. He goes, and it's got a thing on there. I go, what thing? He goes, that, that woman. And I was like, what woman? She goes, you know, you, you asked for, uh, it begins with a C. It's like, oh, wait, Karina. I go, you mean Cortana? She goes, no, no, it's Karina. It's like. Okay, and we just ran with it. I, I'm, I'll be heartbroken to let her know that they're going to end Karina's life this year. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. I'm very okay with that thing going away forever. Um, Microsoft is inherently a office, a enterprise-based system where you're in a cube farm. It's not conducive in a cube farm to talk to your computer. So... The idea of having Microsoft Cortana was to me one of the one of the dumbest things they've done since Clippy. Yeah, well, I think one of the last things that I'm I'm really a bit more concerned too is uh, and bringing it back down to the individual, uh, the folks who may have bought a new computer uh, and not realize that there's a Linux op. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that that's what Microsoft really preys on. And the fact that, you know, you can buy Office, the fact that they're moving to a paid license model, um, you know, it's funny because Microsoft has been a little hesitant to release that. It was actually supposed to be released this past October, but they pulled back on it. So um, that's something to consider because it's not cheap. So you have a choice. You know, I, I would say either throw $20 to the Open Document Foundation and, you know, have a download um, LibreOffice or be prepared to spend $200 a year to renew your Microsoft Office license. Yeah, I will say I hate how easy and simple Office 365 is to use um, at work. I 
create every document I've ever done in LibreOffice. And then I send it to other people in basically what is Office 97 format. And none of them know. You know what I mean? They just double click it and it quote unquote just opens and it works for them. I do everything in my power at work to not use any office product ever. Um, and I'm really happy we bought a product from a private company to modernize our quote unquote system. That's literally hundred million plus dollars. Let's just say that. And I love the fact that when I go into the system and I say export a piece of data, the options are open document formats, ODT and OD. Um, X, I believe it is for the open document and open spreadsheet format. And I just, I, I, I could not believe a multi billion dollar company is allowing you to export things in a open format and not just into a Microsoft office format. Agreed. And one other thing that I do at work, I've gotten rid of anything that's even remotely Adobe. Events is my PDF reader. And I don't really edit PDFs very often, but if I have to, uh, I think Foxit in Mozilla Firefox actually gives you that ability to do so. So there, Adobe, I don't need you at all. Well, as long as they're not complex PDFs, then I've had success. But once people start to make complex PDFs, that's when I just give up. Um, we do have another email. Uh, do you want to read the one from uh, oh, Rain? Absolutely. Let me get to that. It's uh, following up on being asked what podcasts I recommend. Here are a few. One is GNU World Order, a really unique Linux podcast that goes really deep into many different topics from different CLI tools to people writing about their Linux origin stories. And, uh, of course, you know, Clatu is the one that runs that. Uh, I'd like to say friend of the show. Um, next up was uh, Darknet Diaries, a bi-weekly episode about different hacks done in the world and the people who do them. What I really enjoy about one is the host normally interviews the people involved in the hack, so you, you can get true perspective on why someone did things that they did. Um, I actually, I like these kind of uh, podcasts, too, because, you know, a dissection of these are always good. Uh, Viceland has... Uh, uh, a uh, series catered to uh, cybersecurity. Next up is uh, Hacker Public Radio. Uh, again, uh, Ken Fallon and his group of folks also friends to this. Uh, a grab bag of many different people making podcasts about anything and anything. Normally, the content is in some way related, but not always. Anyone can record a podcast and be published on their feed. And that's true. They are open to anything. And I know that they try to have at least a month's worth of uh, podcasts in the queue. Uh, it's run by some really fine folks over there. Let me scroll down a little bit here. Also on a quick note on Matrix, one of my favorite features, it's the ability to bridge out and chat to other po uh, protocols and applications. It works with IRC, Slack, Discord, and many other different degrees. Matrix is, a ver is very worth giving a shot. P.S. Ameridroid is my go-to for buying single-board computers and accessories as well. Can't recommend them enough for buying in the United States. And that's actually good to know because uh, um, I don't need Christmas to dictate when I buy things. Uh, with the sales going on, this would actually make it a lot easier for me. So, uh, Rain, thank you for that input. Very cool, very cool. And I will say, yes, Ameridroid is the epitome 
of customer service. And I cannot say that enough. I mean, we all know how it feels to not have customer service. Insert any large ISP when you call them up and you say you're having an issue. You don't get good customer service. You go to Ameridroid, you literally feel like you're getting handcrafted, locally sourced kind of customer service where they actually care about you as a customer. Um, and really good shipping, really fast shipping, and everything that's new, they get. Sometimes it takes a week or two, but they always get it. Then to go backwards in his email, I'll say Matrix is one of those things. I believe it's only going to get more polished and better with time goes on. Right now, I want to say it's Riot.io is the front end you can use for Matrix. Um, and you can connect to all kinds of services. And I will say, technically, we could connect um, Mattermost to things like IRC. I don't know about anything else, but I know you can kind of connect it. I think of Mattermost as being like a really simple image editor and where Matrix is like the Adobe Photoshop, the super high-end uh, text chat tool. So I, I would like to play with it some more. But for now, I'm okay with using Mattermost is what I'll say. Uh, HPR, I'll say um, a complete mixed bag. To shoot straight, Ken Fallon, unbelievably nice guy. Not everyone in affiliated with Hacker Pub, Pub, Public Radio, I believe, are nice people. I believe a lot of them have their own personal hyper-political agendas that they do a really good job of adhering to. And I think that when I have a really good friend publish a show and then literally get harassed for three months about their show that they do, uh, it basically shows that there is favoritism happening at all levels even on a free open network like Hacker Public Radio. With that stated, I'd much rather have free open platforms like Hacker Public Radio than not. So I definitely thank Ken Fallon and everyone for what they do over there. Uh, Darknet Diaries, I'll tell you right now, fantastic show, good audio quality, horrible ads when they have them, but incredible detail into hacks that actually happen. Um, GNU World Order is... I don't want to say it's the 2019 version of Linux reality, but I feel like nothing else comes as close to being required listening than Clot 2. Even if you don't understand what he's talking about, keep listening because sooner or later it will start to make sense. Oh, that's a great analogy. Uh, the old Chess Griffin podcast. Oh, that's fantastic, Hockey. Yeah, like once every year and a half to two years, I go back and I listen to every episode of Lennox Reality, and most of them are literally timeless content because it's how Lennox works, and how Lennox works really hasn't changed a lot. Um, and it gives you insight into the history of how Lennox became what it is today kind of thing. So um, I really do think that it's the kind of thing, if you're a new to Linux, the first thing you really need to do is to listen to Linux reality. It's available as an RSS feed. All of the shows are hosted on archive.org, AKA they'll be there forever. So I definitely think it's worth checking out and I'll try to have that link. In uh, you know, it's funny to mention that podcast because, you know, there are certain things that you aspire to in life and Chess Griffin is one of those folks that, uh, you know, I don't know him personally. Uh, it just, but 
every time I've heard interviews with him or, you know, just him speaking, this sounds like one of those even keeled guys that just never has a bad day. And even if they have a bad day, just being right next to them shows you, you know what? It's be okay. Now, he's a Grateful Dead fan, so I don't approve of that. But everything else, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and I had no problem. I have no problem with saying this out loud. I'm 99.99.99% sure if I sat next to Chess Griffin for five or 10 minutes, he would be nice to me. He'd be kind to me, but he wouldn't like me. And that's okay. He doesn't have to like me. I like him. I like his product. I like his um, uh, bravado. I like his attitude. I like his style. I like his pace. I like how he does things. Uh, he doesn't have to be my friend. I don't have to be his friend for me to respect everything that he's done. So I cannot say it enough. Um, listen to him. And again, I can I have no problem saying this. When I first started listening to him, I had no idea what he was talking about. It made no sense to me. But every episode I listened, it started to make a little bit more sense and a little bit more sense and a little bit more sense until it really did like click. So if it wasn't for Chess Griffin and Lennox Reality, I'm pretty sure I would not be a Lennox Oh, no, person. not at all. Although, Dory, you're making us feel like the great unwashed over here. So we'll, we'll try to kick it up a little bit. Okay, uh, we have another email here. This one is from Mark. It's technically not for this show, but I'm going to say it is because, you know, I'm the host. Um, it says, uh, first off, I want to say he hello to everyone on the show. I started listening to Lennox for the rest of us and uh, then started listening to other podcasts on the uh, network. Uh, the podcasts are a joy to listen to, and it's helped me get through m many of my work days lately. I've been catching up on the mini PC show, and after listening to Door to Door Geek and the rest of the cast, I, d I decided to get a Raspberry Pi 4 for gig, and then I stumbled across Crow Pi Kit and ended up purchasing the Raspberry Pi and the Crow Pi Kit, and I can say, wow. I am happy that I made this purchase. I love Raspbian OS. I have only been using it for a few hours, but I love it so far. The kit arrived neatly, se se um, securely packaged, and uh, Elcro has done a great job, in my honest opinion, at delivering functionality and well put together a solid device. I ended up putting a 512 gigabyte micro SD card in it in the kit and um. I don't dislike Windows or Microsoft, but I love being open to try and experience different devices and OS. I will definitely be purchasing several more of the mini PCs. Thank all you guys, Dor. I've never met you in person, but I enjoy your knowledge and listening to your perspective on things. You are including your family, and I, I love ones. Be blessed and be well. Mark from Florida. Mark is obviously, I'll just say this, an honorary Podnazians kind of thing. Um, I will say the pictures he showed me in email were pretty awesome. It's basically like a um, small um, briefcase where you open it up and it's like a laptop slash computer experiment kit uh, with a Raspberry Pi inside of it where you can basically connect the keyboard to it. Um, I just say this. Raspbian is Debian. Debian is the stable thing in Linux. Nothing gets more stable than Debian. That's just the way it is. And then you put it on top of a mini form factor computer with four gigs of RAM 
That means near endless possibilities as long as you don't need cutting edge computing. Um, and I will say this, the Raspberry Pi 4, while I'm not a huge fan of the company, I'm a huge fan of what they make. Um, we are on the cusp, and then literally, Bruce, without sounding dumb, we are on the cusp of everything in computing changing. Quick tangent. Um, Linus went on a rant maybe four months ago and said, you idiots don't understand the reason why x86 is winning. It's because of what everyone is developing on. So if you're developing on x86, you publish to x86. Well, literally today, you can now buy a ARM-based desktop computer, which is it's technically a server, but you can now buy it. It's $3,000. Huawei just announced that they're going to be releasing a desktop motherboard with an ARM processor in it. Uh, Chromebooks now come, a lot of them, with ARM processors on them. Um, the day of the Linux desktop will be preceded by the ARM-based infusion into laptops and desktops. And I do think 2020 is the year that that is happening. And when that happens, there's going to be a lot of change. But to the end user, things are just going to use less power. Things are going to last longer with battery. Things are going to be cheaper to use and are going to be quieter. You're going to need less fans and things are just going to appear to work quicker. So I'm really excited to see computer form factors in the next 18 months and just the amount of disruption that we're going to have. And you know what I could also see too, and this is what I would really enjoy the most for the longest time uh, before I was in the position that I'm in now, uh, I've needed sort of, uh, well, I've needed a tower because I need multiple hard drives, create my, um, my VMs and so forth. But as I'm in the back end of my career now, uh, it also allows me to start shedding things. And, you know, with the development of these ARM processors, things getting smaller, you know, I honestly could see that when the time comes, I'm okay with living entirely off of a small Raspberry Pi device that allows me to update my websites, that allows me to, you know, uh, with you over mumble. Uh, it doesn't have to be very powerful at all. Not to say that it isn't, but with more power, everything being smaller, and the small electrical footprint on that, that's huge. That's really huge. And uh, the question is, is that... that why am I getting this on my flying car? Well, literally last week, a company in Miami, Florida released uh, publicly their flying car to buy. Uh, I want to say it was $300,000. It was a three-wheeled device. Uh, only two people could fit in it. And it basically had, um, it was almost like a, a hyper light where it had one blade that could be um, uh, opened up that would be above you but the real power was behind you. The blade could then be pushed out so you could do forward thrust. Um, I don't know what's going to happen first. And it's like, we have a race. We have like a race going on. Are we going to first get self-driving cars? Are we first going to get flying cars? Or are we literally going to get small computing devices that literally are everywhere and are as powerful as anything we could ever need in front of everybody else kind of thing. Um, I don't know what's going to happen first, but I know this. If anybody tries to stop change from happening, 
you're going to get like ran over like oh, a steamer. without a doubt. And it'll be harsh when that day comes because it'll be unforgiving. So I, I love technology. I just wish I could afford it at the pace that it's growing. You know, things like Internet of Things. Uh, there was a recommendation that came out today saying if you can put all your IoT devices on another network, do it. It's like, okay, but. Again, how many customers, how many average Americans out there are going to say, oh, this is my other network. I'll, I'll just put this over here. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, I, this is the way I think of it, Bruce. Back in the 60s or 70s, you would sit around and you would take a look, like 1960s, 1970s, and you would see everybody smoking around you. And you would think to yourself, self, they're killing themselves. Well, I guess I can let them kill themselves. I'm just going to do my thing. That's how I feel about IoT right now. Because if you don't have it on its own network, you might as well be smoking filterless cigarettes because you're going to die and everybody around you is going to die because you're giving up everything to everybody. Not just China, not just United States. You're giving literally every Nigerian prince knows everything about you. Um, to not be ready to be a administrator of your own domain of your own cipher if you will and to introduce these unbelievably insecure devices whether it be a a ring video doorbell whether it be a smart switch a smart light or a smart television and to introduce these into your network and to give them the same status that you give your own personal phone, your own personal laptop on the network is literally like taking a revolver, putting six bullets in it, spinning it and try to convince everyone that you're playing Russian roulette. Let's see who goes first because no one is going to live through this experiment unless you just literally don't play. I mean, isn't that what Matthew Broderick and war games taught us like 30 like years ago? I believe they did. Now, it's interesting you brought up Ring because that there was an article in Market Watch that uh, mentioned the party provider for Ring. They've got a really uneven relationship with the cops. Apparently, um, uh, if you don't read the fine print in Ring, you are giving up your access to your local law enforcement to just monitor your home for safety well it was how it started that's the dirty secret the very first instance of these doorbells was subsidized by a local police agency where after getting a certain amount of people i want to say it was 18 percent of the people in this area to get these quote-unquote video doorbells they saw a substantial drop in crime once they saw that they then said, this is now going to be the backbone of our entire ecosystem. It's silently giving all of your personal information to authorities because it's for the greater good. And I hate to say it like this, but who in the hell is anybody as a libertarian, as an American privileged libertarian, who the hell is somebody to tell me? What is for the greater good when you're a company, a faceless, nameless company, where all you're really worrying about is profits. You're not worrying about my own security or my own privacy or anything about that. You're just worrying about the bottom line of your stock market ticker. <laughs> Crap. Now I got to demote. Fine. Fine. Well, and here's the thing. There's no reason why you can't take a Raspberry Pi Zero. A, you know, $10 computer, take a 
Raspberry Pi camera, you know, a $15 camera, take a little battery, you know, like an $18 battery, connect it all, put it to the front of your house, securely have it come back into your network and have a little hosted session on an HTTP server in your own network using homeassistant.org. I believe it's homeassistant.io. And you could literally have a private secure connection to see what's going on out in your front yard. You don't need to hand over every bit of your privacy to, because here's a third dirty secret. If people don't understand this yet, ring video doorbell is not ring video doorbell. It's Amazon. So you're giving all that information up to Jeff Bezos and his gargantually muscle bound bald self who can't keep a relationship steady and like gets divorced. Kind of thing. <laughs> actually, you're correct. My friend actually set up a, uh, uh, he got a cheap uh, video camera. Actually, it's not cheap. The resolution on this is actually amazing. Um, uh, I was over at his desk the other day and he goes, hey, check this out. And he's going, this is what's going on in my father's business. He, his father was a Vietnamese restaurant in the South Shore. And he, he was able to show me people at the counter, what's happening behind the building, what's happening on all four sides of the building. Uh, and it was amazing. I go, how much did it cost you to put it all together? Um, he said, well, with the extra cameras and a larger hard drive, it was still under 200 bucks. Yeah, and that's the thing. We Americans, not only do we need more words besides just freedom, we need more words than just cheap because cheap doesn't have to mean it's worthless or near worthless. It can just mean it's affordable. Um, you know, um, I know two people where that's really all they do. All they do is they're private consultants where they do IP. It used to be called um, closed um, like um, networks kind of thing. We're now all they do is they set up IP cameras, they set up their own little server, and then they allow, you know, privileged gateways outside to the public internet where you have to have all authentication, but you can access it from your phone literally like it's a camera five or ten feet from you. Um, that technology has matured greatly. Now, a couple of things I wanted to break away and give this is where I go uh, rogue on this segment. <laughs> um, so, Dor, where are you in, in terms of, uh, I know we talked about possibly having, you know, a Facebook presence. Do you think our listeners would be up for such a thing? Well, I mean, I honestly hate to say it like this. I don't want to speak on behalf of somebody else. Um, I do believe that there are more than a couple, more than a couple dedicated listeners to every show I do that spend many hours a day on Facebook. Um, so what I will say is if you, the listener, would want to see, like, basically what I'll say this. Okay, another quick tangent. Johnny Carson always said for every show, which back in the day was an hour and a half, he wanted to have four hours worth of content because his logic was then the cream would rise to the top and only the best stuff would make it on the show and everything else if it was good enough, it would come back the next night or the night after or the night after. Um, every episode, I try to have at least 50% more content than what we actually talk about. If you would like to see every single possible link that we could bring to this show, there's no reason why we can't publish them on services like Facebook or whatever. So if you, as a listener, would like to see all the kind of links 
that could be on this show that could be as of interest to you. Don't hesitate. Shoot me an email podcast at Linux for the rest of us.com be in the notes door door geek at gmail.com mail at ponus.com or just go to ponus.com and click on contact and just let me know. Um, it's something that we can do. I will say this. Bruce will be handling the Facebook side of things. I really don't. I mean, think of it like I'm a vegan and Bruce is going to be slaughtering <laughs> the pigs. I thank Bruce. You know, I thank Bruce for his efforts, but I really don't want to partake. In and it. that's perfect. Part of the reason why, too, is that, you know, one of the things I can tell you that it's been a complete blast since I've started doing the show with you is our interaction with the fans because you've got them. And the fact is, is I love hearing from them and, you know, the interactions have been great. The experience has been great. And, you know, I think that if we could get, you know, more folks involved in this, this almost harkens back to the Linux basics days. And uh, I got to tell you, that was a freaking blast. Oh, I, I, I agree. Now, here's re really quick. We're going to go on a quick tangent. I got to thank Rain for communicating with me because I'm not going to lie. And here's the thing. Other podcasts will not stop proclaiming how they know everything. And they never give, uh, I think the word is attribution, attribution, where they try to attribute things to other people. They don't because they're too busy pushing themselves up, inflating themselves up to be godlike. And I'm not, I'm an idiot. Okay. Rain educated me in the last week. I've been using at work. Visual Studio 2015, Visual Studio 2017, Visual Studio 2019. And then, but most of the time I'm trying to use VS code in its place just because I feel better when I use it. Sometimes I have to use one of those other ones, but whatever. Rain educated me, and this link will be in the notes, that what a shocker, VS code, Microsoft VS code on GitHub is not truly open or free as far as the end user is concerned, aka they use the MIT license for a lot of things, which means when you download Visual Studio Code, you're downloading a couple black box binaries where you don't really know what it's doing, when it's doing, why it's doing, how it's doing, or anything else. So there's a uh, open project um, that is available for you to download and use. I want to say it is called VS Codium is the only way I can put it. Um, let me go over here and click. This thing is taking just a second to load. Yeah, it's V-S-C-O-D-I-U-M, V-S Codium. It is free Libra open source software of binaries of V-S Code. So it basically takes the GitHub links from Visual Studio. It basically takes them into their own ecosystem and then it basically opens up all of those it, it it gets rid of all the closed source binaries and it replaces it with open source binaries it's completely functionally compatible with all the extensions all the add-ons all the plugins you can use except it's actually open um i can't thank rain enough and what i'll say is if you use visual studio code i encourage you to check this out vs codium uh, tell me what you think. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. But also, here's the real thing. Let me know what kind of coding you do do. 
and I love saying do do. Let me know what kind of coding you do do. And then let me know what are the extensions or plugins that you absolutely have to have in order to be productive, because I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient. Oh, I'm actually loving this already. Uh, actually, since we're on that uh, um, line of thinking here, too, a couple of other things I'd like to bring up. And this is actually sort of a follow up from last week's show where uh, I discussed. Uh, I'm interested in, in figuring out a little bit more in terms of VPN, uh, but also mail service. Now, a big thing for me is that, that I want to move away from email. Uh, I'm not going to go cold turkey right away. I mean, it's, that's just ridiculous. But I, I am interested if anybody out there is actually using a different mail service uh, if they're paying for it, I'd be very curious to see which services you're going out there because uh, there's also a couple of paid services that I'm aware of as well because I, I'm not above that as well. I mean, uh, if it's something that uh, assures me that this has nothing or, or any tie-ins with a major company, then, you know, I'm okay with that. So uh, ultimately, I think the answer is creating my own, but uh, I'm interested in what the listeners have to say about this, uh, and we'll, we'll pick up the pieces from there. Very cool, very cool. And I will say like this, um, if you are on Windows still, it's fine. There's no shame in that. You use what you use to get what you need done in the fashion you like to get things done in. It's all about your own personal workflow. You do you. Okay. If you're using Windows, I'll say this check out Chocolately, literally, Chocolately, C H O C O L A T E Y, Chocolately. Think of it as apt get for Windows. You install Chocolately on Windows and then you can literally do. Chaco space install space VS Codium and voila through a command line interface. You have yourself the open source equivalent of VS code without having to jump through any hoops or download anything insecurely. Um, I really do want to think about starting to do something coding wise in the public spectrum. Uh, I've done more than my fair share of coding in my last 20 plus years of work, and it's all hidden behind walls. I've gotten written up for writing code. I've gotten written up for saving money. I've got written up for, you know, what I consider doing the right thing. I need to do more code out in the public spectrum. So I'll say this, if you don't use Visual Studio Code or VS Codium, what do you use? Why do you use? And then is there a project or thing that you can think of, listener, that you think that we could work on together? And then by we, I don't mean me and you, I mean all Podnutsians. Podnuts at LennoxForTheRestOfUs.com is the easiest way to communicate that. Okay, Bruce, we've definitely been going on for over an hour. Uh, we did a lot of email, and I, and I will say this. If people keep sending emails in, I have no problem with making the show basically a nonstop email response. Oh, no, thing. I completely agree. This, Like I said, this is these last shows have been fantastic because, like I said, you've got people that are actively engaged in this community, and this is and my experience in the past. Even when we started with, uh, you know, the Linux basics many years ago, 
it, it ebbs and flows and, and you know when it's at its best it's phenomenal and i believe that this is actually on an uh upward incline and i think that you know once you reach the top or you know you don't know you're there until until it starts headed downwards but no this this is what makes the whole show fun people reaching out to us you know and, and sharing their information along with us because you know we're all learning together and uh and i'm the last I, I, let's put it this way i am a man who happens to run linux that is all yeah and i've made it a point um i'm never going to preach to anybody again about what you're doing is right what you're doing is wrong um the for instance is this thanksgiving at my sister-in-law's house just this is kind of proof that she really doesn't know anything about me she turned to me and said well you're <laughs> liberal right i said first off do you even understand which definition you mean when you say that okay number two i'm not number three if i'm classifiable it's libertarian but in reality i'm door door geek and she just stood there and I said, exactly. You don't know nothing. Don't try to classify me into any bubbles of any existence that you find yourself being in a comfortable place. I'm not there. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a conservative. I'm not a liberal. I'm a me. I am me. I see things completely different than everybody else. So no matter what you think, you're wrong. Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, wait, he did. Cause she's, she's one of them people that believes that, you know, it's all a conspiracy. I'm thinking, no, not everything is a conspiracy. Sometimes people are just stupid. Uh, you know, I was hoping I could find it before, uh, the thought ended out, but there's a uh, liquor store or a chain of liquor stores around here. It's phenomenal because, um, they, uh, they basically have a, a person who's very good with their billboards and, uh, I remember uh, there was a McDonald's across the street from one year that was selling, uh, you know, like two Big Macs for like five bucks. And so Save More Liquors goes, hey, we're selling two uh, two bottles of vodka for four dollars. Your move, McDonald's. But Damn. this is the time of year where they also mention things about, you know, hey, it's Thanksgiving weekend here. You know, it's five. Five dollars off on vodka to forget the event that even happened. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I'm not very big on. Well, I'm fortunate because our my family is literally all over the country, and uh, the the mother and father have long since passed away. So there's no need for these kind of uh, annual meetings because I got to tell you, from some of these, they just sound so unfun. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I try to like comfort myself in like meme stuff where I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. And I'm just, you know, I don't have time for any of this stuff. I will literally rather sit there on my phone playing a game like Stardew Valley, which I've heard now described as digital Xanax. Um, it takes me to a happy place when I'm surrounded by people that extremely make me not want to be happy but yeah family's good for two things they're good to ask you for money when you don't have it and they're good to tell you that you're not good enough to do something when clearly you're good enough to do something and 
That's my, uh, you know, personal belief now, about family. I just found a small sample of what we were looking, what I was looking for. So you can put this up in the podcast notes. Uh, it's save more liquors and their signs over the years. And uh, if you want something that's amusing slash really funny, you'll have to check them out. Very cool. I love a store that literally puts on their front like page. They're like advertising their signs. That's that's confidence. Yeah, and what do you expect? It's it's Boston, you know. <laughs> yep. Very cool, Bruce. Uh, do you have any uh, party words uh, for people? Actually, uh, uh, I just want to thank for listening because, like I said, door. Uh, ever since I've been on here, I feel that each show just gets stronger and stronger. Uh, will it ever be as strong as you and Cody? Eh, I, that's the gold standard. But at this point, I've been having a blast, and thank you for having me along. No problem, man. Always good to talk to you. Always good to get emails from people, and I will uh, uh, apologize. I'm not always timely getting back with people. Now, privately, between us. I've had more than a couple emails since September from people telling me that they're going to sue me out of existence. So I'm not really quick to open emails because I never know when the email is going to be a threat. So it sometimes takes me a couple of days, but I want to thank everyone for their patience who do send me emails. You can also send voicemails in to 7076podnut, uh, or you can uh, shoot emails again to podcast at lennoxfortherestofus.com door-to-door geek at gmail.com mail at podnuts.com and i'm really tempted to open up an email ada at podnuts.com for ask door anything but i'm almost afraid of what i'm going to get through there uh and i want to thank everyone for downloading thank everyone for subscribing thank everyone for their support thank everybody for their communications for their engagement engagement is 10 times more important than downloads so thank you very much Uh, And I beg everyone, no matter what you do, never, ever, 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 ever forget. If you do not have root, you do not know who does. And we'll talk to everyone again real soon.